0: Hey, we're going to pick up again in John chapter 6. We're working our way through John, and uh, we're going to be getting verses 16 through 21 today. Uh, We're going to read, and then I want to pray over the Word. So this is what it says. Uh, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. Then a high wind arose, and the sea began to churn after they had rowed about three or three, Jesus walking on the sea. five with this, in the name of Jesus, I just want y'all to know after yesterday. They saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board, and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. Let's pray over the word. Father, thank you. I thank you for your word and for your promises. I thank you for who you are. God, I pray that Uh, today, that even in just this little short passage, that we will see something that is powerful and meaningful in our lives, and that will impact us, and God, that will let us see into both who you are, what you have done, but who you want to be and what you want to do in our lives today. Your scripture was not written just so that we could have some historical record, but instead so that we could have this insight into your character and your nature and God, I pray that you will help us to see ourselves in the disciples and to see how that you can truly change us in the moments of our lives as well. And so we can just give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. The church together said, amen. So here's what we got going on. So it, it's gotten dark. Jesus had not come back to the disciples. Remember right before this in chapter 6, we've got the situation where they don't have food, for everybody in this, this great mass of people, we see it says there was 5,000 men, that didn't count women and children, that were out there. We see the five loaves, the two fish. Uh, Jesus takes, multiplies those, and people are fed. And then at the end of that passage, right around 14 and 15, we see where he says that, um, you know, John speaks and says that w- when Jesus saw that they were going to come and take him by force, they were going to make him king and all this, and he, he goes away from them and goes back into the mountains, and uh, goes to spend some time by, by himself. So the disciples are hanging out because they're going to go across this body of water. And it's getting dark. Jesus has not come back. So what did they do? They go ahead and they go on with the journey. As they set out on this journey by themselves, a high wind comes up, causes the sea to start to churn. There's, there's big waves, all this kind of stuff. You've got to imagine that. Wind is howling, the wind is swirling, waves are swelling and crashing. Uh, You know, they got to imagine that there could be something terrible that's going to happen. Now, these guys are fishermen, they're sailors, so they're not necessarily distraught or worried. But again, you know, you start out and you get out onto the the sea, and it's about a six-mile course, actually. From where they were to where they were going would be about six miles at the furthest point. And so... All of a sudden you get this storm that comes up and they're out in the middle of us and then, and then they've rode for three or four miles. Now I can tell you, we hit patches yesterday where you go through some portions where there's a little bit of you know, some very, very minor kind of whitewater, just a little bit of movement. But then you hit these spots where there's like no movement. And you are just paddling, paddling, paddling. And you know, we're, some of us, we're not small guys. Let's just be honest. I know y'all are thinking... You're not a big guy. Now I appreciate you thinking that. It was nice of you, but it's not true. I, I know. I mean, I know it's messing with your, you know, your optic. You know, right now you're going, I, oh, you know, okay. Just go ahead and admit it. You know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, we're in this boat, and I'm in my kayak, and these guys are in theirs, and and you're hearing people go, "Man, you tired?" I'm like, "What do you think?" I mean. Do you think we're tired? I mean, we've been on this for like four hours. We haven't eaten lunch yet because we kept thinking we were going to get past the halfway mark. We were going to find the spot where we were going to stop and make our sandwiches. We weren't there yet. It's tough work, man. We're just paddling. We're paddling away. So I understand these guys, like three or four miles, they've been rowing. And and even worse, they're rowing in this massive storm. There's waves everywhere. The wind's howling, and they're out here rowing This boat. And suddenly they look out across this body of water, and what do they see? They see this form, this apparition, this this, it look it's a person, and he's walking across the water. And he's coming toward them. Now, knowing that during this time period, that sailors are very superstitious. I'm not saying sailors aren't superstitious now, but sailors were very superstitious. They had all kind of things they would do. I mean, you got to remember when you, had, when you had Jonah, you know, and and he's on he's on the boat and he's running from God. You know what they do? They start, man, we got to draw lots. we got to figure out why the gods are after us. You know, what's going on? I mean, superstitious group of folks. And you look and see what looks, basically you, it could appear like a ghost that's coming walking across the water to you. Now, We can sit here and go, man, that was just Jesus. Right. If you're out on a pontoon boat down here at Riverside and there's a big storm comes up and all of a sudden you're looking across and somebody is walking across the top of the water, I don't know that you're going to be going, hey, that's probably Jesus right there. You know? You might be thinking, I don't know what that is, but y'all need to start rowing faster. (laughs) We need to get up out of here. I don't know, but but so they look across, and that's what they see. Right in the middle of all this commotion and danger, they see somebody walking across the sea. It's clear though they didn't recognize him, right? Because um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm surprised by it. You got spray flying in their faces. You, you've got, they've been rowing hard. They're working hard. It's dark. It's not like you know we think of now, where even though we were camping where there was no power, there was a massive light that was over our campsite. And so we had to kind of keep some of the windows on the, camp, on, the, on the tent zipped up because, I mean, it was just light pouring in. It's not like that in this case. I mean, these guys aren't out there with big lights around the harbor and all of this. this, this is, it's dark. They're out in the middle of So if there's some moonlight, that's what they got going on. And you got this ghostly figure walking across the water toward them. But we know that they, couldn't, they didn't recognize that it was Jesus because of two things. Number one, it, we see that they get afraid. There's not a real reason for them to be afraid of Jesus. They've been hanging out with him. They've just seen him multiply five loaves and two fishes and feed all these people. They've seen him turn water into wine. They've seen people be healed. They've seen all this stuff. So there's not a real reason to be afraid of him. And then we see the fact that Jesus has to speak to them and tell them, hey, don't be afraid because it's me. Now, I have this bad habit. I'm just going to be honest. Every so often, I just like to scare people in my house. I'm just going to be honest with you, including the dog even. I'm sorry. I mean, but (laughs) I know that's just bad. But, But, you know, I don't do it very often, but, you know, it just comes upon me. I'll be in a room and hear that somebody's coming, you know, into that room, and it's late at night, and and I just leave the lights off. It's amazing how these plans will come into your head so rapidly. And, And, you know, and I just, ooh, and dark back into, you know, like the bathroom door or something, Michelle comes in, and really, I'm just testing people's sanctification. I'm just testing to see how closely they're living to the living God. I just want you to... Because uh, as the old preacher that used to preach revivals, my dad would say, "If it ain't in the well, it won't come up in the bucket." And so, you know, I'll scare, I'll scare people in my household, and and then and they don't ever say anything bad. It's great. Even the dog doesn't. The dog, doesn't. dog just falls down. <laughs> you know, she just falls down. <laughs> um, that's just so bad, isn't it? I know, but. But even when that happens, you know, have you ever have you ever been in a situation where you even accidentally scared somebody and and you were afraid, they're fixing to like come at me, and you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, it's me. It's me. I think, you know, Jesus comes walking across the water, he sees these guys, they're freaking out. They're in the middle of a storm, guy walks across the water and they're afraid, and he says, Hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. They were more concerned and more afraid of what he was doing than they were about recognizing who it was. And he didn't say, hey, don't be afraid. You know, this is a miracle I can walk on water. No, he just said, don't be afraid because it's me. One of the things that I noticed in immediately following this in the passage that it says, then they were willing to take him on board. All right, so what does that mean? It means before then... They weren't willing for him to get in the boat. They're going, we don't know who you are, but you're not getting in the boat. (laughs) Right? I mean, we're going to make sure... I I get kind of the impression they were going to find some way to try to repel him, you know, keep him out of the boat. Because once he tells them who he is, then they're willing for him to come in the boat with them. I'm going to get you somewhere. We're just laying a lot of this groundwork. Once they finally understand it, they're like, okay, come, come on in the boat with us. And so... I want to give you just a handful of things because this is a really short passage that we've got today, but I want you to see a couple of parallels. I only have 15 pages of notes today, and I'm just kidding. It's only two pages, guys. How about that? That's half my normal pages. That just means I have to give you a lot of extra stuff just, you know, off the cuff, right? Man, y'all are not buying any any jokes today. It's just terrible. Now, I, I want to keep it simple because this is a short passage. Here's a couple of parallels I want you to see between what was going on with these disciples and the boat and Jesus coming across the water into your life today. Number one, every one of us may encounter things in our lives that seem dark, overwhelming, and totally beyond our control. I don't don't know, you know, I I don't really see anything in this particular passage about how afraid they were, how scared they were, or not, or whatever. But I do know that they're in the dark, they're out on, in a situation, in an environment that they don't really control, right? Nobody controls the ocean, nobody except God. You're not controlling it, you're just in a boat and you're on it and, and you just kind of adapt to it, but most of us will find ourselves at some point in our life where something happens that, that makes our life seem like it's very dark, it seems that it overwhelms us and it's totally beyond our control. Second thing, then like the disciples, we may figuratively start rowing because we're going to see maybe we can outrun this storm that's coming up in our life, right? There's a lot of things that when they start to happen in our life, we start trying to figure out a way to outpace it. It's kind of like me saying if I'd seen that snake, I would, it wouldn't have mattered how tired I was. It would, we were there, the, the area that we stayed is Cherokee Rock, village and there's these massive rocks there were people all over back in these rocks I mean I'm, I'm talking I'm talking like six seven stories high you know type stuff or maybe even more on some of them and there were rock climbers from all over that were all in this area and there I mean there be like five or six of them in groups and there were probably I don't know okay there was probably seven eight groups of them that we saw back in and they're climbing rocks and stuff and we got a couple of pictures of these guys we <laughs> you know there's there's like there's like this this very pretty petite lady that, that is uh she's all the way at the top having climbed this section, she's fixing a rappel back down. We've got all these strapping teenage guys. We're trying to figure out if they can get from this handhold to that handhold that's like two feet off the ground. They'd be two feet off the ground. And we're taking pictures 'cause cause nobody was getting there. I'm just being honest. I'm just telling you, you know, and uh so <laughs> we're we're uh, we're seeing how easy it is to uh, to try to climb something you think, and you're not able to do it. And we're talking about, man, this is hard, except for like these people that are just like scurrying up this this rock face. Dennis looks and he says, "Yeah, but let somebody shoot at you, and I bet you'd find a way to climb to the top." And I'm thinking, you know, I guess there's a moment where, you know, the first thing that will pop in your mind is if somebody shot at you and you were standing at the bottom of this, you would find a way to climb this rock. We'll, we'll, we'll start trying to outrace things. And these guys go to rowing. They've got to get through this storm, and they've got to make their way through. And sometimes in our lives, that's what it feels like we're doing. The storm has come up, and we go to rowing, and we're not getting anywhere fast. They've rowed three or four miles, but that means they're only about halfway there because it's a six-mile trip. And I can't imagine how long this has taken. We don't really get an indication of that. I don't, just how long is this taking to try to row against the storm? And for a lot of folks, and honestly, you may be sitting here today, and you're not really telling anybody about it or whatever else, but you have been rowing against the storm. You put on the nice smile, you put on the happy face because, oh, when we go to church, we're supposed to act like that, right? Wrong. It's supposed to be a place of healing. It's supposed to be a place where we come together and as Alexis sang in that song that we, that we come in, we put stuff before him and we recognize that we're probably going to fall again and we're going to have these problems, but he can make us new. And so you may be sitting here and and you're going, man, I completely identify with that because storms have come up in my life, whether it's health issues, whether it's relationship problems, whether it is job issues, no, no matter what it is, whether it's something you're just struggling with mentally, emotionally, whatever, and you are rowing against the storm and you're getting tired and you're going, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? Because I don't see the wind is howling in my life The waves are crashing. I'm doing the best that I can, but I'm only about halfway to where I need to go, and this is about to kill me. I think one of the most interesting things out of this story is that it's in that moment that Jesus shows up. In those dark, overwhelming situations, we may forget to think to ourselves or even cry out, And ask God to step into our situation and save us. I don't know how it is that God will step into your situation. We have these ideas of what that's supposed to look like. We have these ideas of what we think we wish it would look like. And then sometimes it doesn't look that way. God, I wish you would step in and you would just do this. God, I wish you would step in and, and, and if you would just do this today and it would all be okay and, and I could stop rowing and it, and it would all stop hurting and there wouldn't be any more problems and everybody in my family would get along and this would happen right and, and my job would be great and nothing would be bad. And then it just usually doesn't, doesn't look that way, right? I often remind us, that the Psalms tell us that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk through it, I don't have to fear. Isn't it interesting that that's what, that's what Jesus comes to them and says is don't be afraid? Why? Because it's me. Psalms 23 though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're riding your staff at comfort. Me. Why? Because you're here. Because no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the problems are, they don't go away. It's just God shows up. It's not that they're not existent, it's not that you don't have those problems. And the faith community has, again, I say the faith community has to stop telling the world that the problems will just go away. That's not true. That's not even biblically anywhere near accurate. Most all of the disciples, well, all except one, end up dying violent deaths. They're they're persecuted, all that stuff. So apparently, if it didn't go away for the folks that were right there with Jesus, I'm not exactly expecting it to go away for us. The difference is that you have a God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The difference is understanding A word of God that says, I well nigh slipped, but you upheld me with your right hand. Look, my feet went out from under me. I was going down, but you had hold of me. Sometimes I think in the moment we don't even realize that God is holding on to us until we lose our footing. And then all of a sudden we don't know how is it that that he has sustained me and we realize the whole time he was holding on. So we cry out to God and we ask Him to help in our situation. He steps into that situation, that crashing, stormy moment. But He intends to do what fits His plan for the moment. I mean, you know, Jesus could have just went off Star Trek on this deal. This is for Walker. I just want you to know right now. I'm talking to this side of the building at the moment because, oh look, He just... He could have went all Star Trek on this thing before anybody knew what Star Trek was. And he could have just, you know, and he could have just, you know, beamed himself over, right? He could have just shown up in the boat. That was not the best sound I've ever made for the, you know. But it has that little twinkly kind of sound, you know, and then they start kind of disappearing. You know, it's all awesome. He could have done that. But he didn't. I mean, why did he choose? Why did he choose to come walking across the water? I mean, it's it's really, John really is illustrating this as yet another miracle. And I think this is one of the most powerful things out of this miracle to me. I mean, there was no real reason. You can't look and go, ah, oh, yeah, walk across the water because we were having a bunch of water problems in all of our lives. I mean, not unless you're in a boat, right? So so that's not necessarily, but when, but when you see that the God that you are serving has authority over everything, including some stuff that seems pretty abstract, like being able to walk through the middle of a storm. If this and and you gotta understand that in this in this time period, they had such a respect for the power of the ocean. The power of the seas you just do a study at some point about where they would talk about the, the beast of the deep and things like this. I mean, they, they were a little bit afraid of all of these big, massive animals and stuff that were out in the ocean. It was, this, it was this thing that was powerful, and they understood that you couldn't control and all this. And here comes Jesus just walking across it. No big deal. He didn't just come walking across the water when it was calm or anything else. He came right in the middle of a raging storm. And all of a sudden, they're not worried about the storm anymore. They're afraid of the dude walking across the water. It's ironic when we we, we read about Peter, you know, when Peter steps out of the boat and all that. Remember the only time he begins to sink when he's walking across the water? Jesus calls him to to come to him. is when he takes his eyes off of Jesus And he starts looking at all the the situation. He looks at the environment and all of a sudden oh hey I start sinking and Jesus is setting the example here that hey guess what if you focus on me you'll forget honestly about some of the storm because you're in awe of what's happening with me. But they were afraid and he said that's not where I want you to be. God doesn't want you to fear him in the sense like that. God wants us to fear him reverentially and wants us to have this, this awe of who He is and what He can do, but an amazed humility before Him that yet He has chosen, with all of that power and all that authority and all that ability, He has chosen to set His affection on us. It can walk across the water, but yet He wants to deal with your wounded heart. He wants to deal with your bad attitude. He wants to deal with your bad day that you're having. And he says, that's important to me. I can speak worlds into existence. I can take and form man and breathe life into him. But your moment, when Charlotte doesn't want to sleep all night, when you're trying to figure out a job, when you're trying to figure out we're getting deployed, right? When we're trying to figure out family. Right? All these things. He says that's important to me. I can speak a universe into existence but your moment is important to that same God. I really think that he comes walking through all of that to let them see and understand I'm in charge guys. You're following me. Everything works according to my command. Even the thing that you fear really the most. So he steps into their moment. We don't see that they cried out for him. We don't see that they were, you know, going, man, we're in a storm. We need some help. He just showed up anyway. So everybody that has kids. How many times have you ever seen your kids struggling with something and you waited to see where they going to ask for some help and then when you saw they needed some help but they weren't really going to ask for it, how many of you have ever stepped in anyway and went ahead and helped, right? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't sit there and go, well, you know what, maybe he'll ask me to keep him from falling off that cliff, right? You know, maybe he's going <laughs> to... You know, I'll just kind of sit here and watch. Let's see what happens. Well, should have cried out for help, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not what we do. We step in, even in the moment when they're not realizing the danger or they're not crying out, and we step in. Why do we think we're any different than what God is? The struggle that, that these disciples had and that we have is that His way of coming into our life may not look like what we thought it would. And if we're not careful... We will be prepared to repel him from stepping into our little vessel of our life because we're afraid of what it is that God's going to do. He shows up and it looks a little different than what we're thinking. And like these guys, we're not ready for him to get into our life. No, 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 no. No, because if God were to ask me to do this or if God were to point me in this direction or if God were to ask me to do something that's difficult and that's not the way I think it ought to look, so I'm prepared to let him not be in my situation. Kind of like these guys. We'd rather just stay in our boat and keep rowing really hard and be really tired and be very spiritually frustrated and be very spiritually we're engaged because we'll even tell people look how hard I'm working at doing good in my life. Look at how hard I'm working to get through this. And yet we see all of these instances in scripture where God says things like he did to Moses and the children of Israel when they're they get to the Red Sea and they got the Egyptian army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them and he says be still. See his salvation. We've we've got we can have a prophet, you know, that's off by himself, and he's thinking, oh, I'm the only one that's left. You know, Jezebel's cu- killed everybody else, and there's no other prophets, and what happens? You know, there's, there's fire, and there's wind, and there's, you know, the mountains shake and all this, and then, and then God speaks in a still, small voice, right? He says, oh, by the way, you're not the only one. See, we're so fixated on this idea that we need to work hard, we need to do something really hard to get out of this. We need to outrun the storm, And then God is saying, I just want you to be still. The irony of the scientific truth of the eye of a storm is that dead in the center of that thing, is just peaceful. But yet it's happening all around it. I think that's one of the coolest examples of how God wants to be in our lives. Is He says, I don't necessarily at times take you out of the storm, but I promise when I step into this, in the eye of the storm, you remain in control. That's one of the greatest, I love that song. Not always, but sometimes then, we will find that God, upon our willingness to receive him into our lives and in our moments, can and, and may, doesn't mean that he will because he works according to his plan, but he has the ability to do exactly what he did with these disciples. You notice in, this, in that scripture he says that then... They allowed him to come into the boat, and what happened? And immediately, they were at the destination. It's just just there. I mean, it's not like, hey, the winds and the storm calmed down, and now they kind of took off, and an hour and a half later, hey, whoa, whoa, we, we rode fast now, we're there. It's just these guys say, okay, we don't have to be afraid. We can let you into our life, and God steps in, and they immediately get to the destination. Boom. There was your, there was your uh, hey, we just moved from here to there, Star Trek thing. Teleport. Teleport. There you go. you got to help me out. He knew I was struggling with that word. Boop, boop. <laughs> I got you, bro. So I don't know that, that, you know that in any way that means that every time that you will just finally let God step into your life, that he's just going to make everything go away and you just get to the destination. The destination was not the goal in this with with Jesus. It wasn't about, hey, we need to get across the, the sea. It was, I need you to understand something about me as God, and I'm going to use this moment to do that. Sometimes even the things that we may be going through and the situations that we're experiencing, sometimes those things just come because of choices that other people have made. They come because of just a fallen world, all the stuff that happens to impact us. But the journey... And, and the, the place we're heading even is not always God's point. Sometimes it's what we're going to learn. Sometimes it's us seeing Him and seeing Him revealed and understanding more of His character and His nature, who He is. Because this moment may never happen again. And there are many things in our lives that if it happens... It will not happen again, because if it involves a person, if it involves the loss of a parent or something like that, that, once they're gone, that won't happen again with that particular parent. So there are things in our lives that, that occur that they're very unique, but yet we can find something out universal about God in that moment that applies to another situation and another situation and another moment and another event, and all of a sudden it applies into someone else's life. Because you learn something about who God is and how God views you. One of the things I always I really like about Lance, he, he says this quite a bit, he talks a lot uh, when our guys are together about seeing ourselves the way God sees us. We sometimes see ourselves the way we see ourselves, Right? All the imperfections and all the flaws and all. stuff. it's not that God doesn't necessarily see that that's a reality. It's just that when we've come to to Christ and restored that relationship to God through the work that Christ did, now He sees us as He sees Christ. Man, we struggle with we struggle with that stuff. I wonder how many times that we just continue going through situations and moments in our lives alone. Not realizing what God is wanting us to see out of that simply because that God shows up in a way that we didn't think it was supposed to look like. Wasn't supposed to look like that. It's interesting. You, you take and you see in Scripture, uh, the Word talks about that you have to be careful even in entertaining strangers. You can run across the path of a stranger because the Bible says that some have entertained angels unaware. Not I, I can't tell you that I've ever know that I've ever entertained an angel or anything other than my wife. Oh, that was... Oh, man. I'm leaving that one in the podcast. I just want you to know. Man, I felt like I just gained about 500 brownie points right then. That was so awesome. That was not in my notes, but I thank the Holy Spirit for just dropping that one in there. See, he just stepped into my moment. I just want you to know. No. But look, here's, here's the thing. Sometimes people show up in your life. Sometimes things show up in your life. Sometimes events show up in your life. And on face value, you look at them and you say, I don't see what God is intending for me to get out of this. But then later down the road, you look back and say, wow. I had no idea when that started this was what God was doing because he showed up in a way that was not how you thought it was going to look. I'm not talking about some weird thing, some unbiblical thing that people are looking for. Anytime you start doing a message like this, people are like, oh, oh, you know. Going to talk about some weird manifestation or something like that. Now, because by the way, there's there's uh, there's way too many people trying to find some manifestation of God instead of pursuing an inhabitation of God's presence and who God is. I'll be honest with you. I don't really need God to show up and and do some one moment thing as much as I want Him to just inhabit my life. I'm talking about God using things, people, or situations that is going to stretch your current field of vision. You know how we tend to just look at people and we make snap judgments, right? Let's just be honest. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter, doesn't matter rich, poor, what any variance of anything, we tend to look at people and make a snap judgment about somebody. We'll look at somebody that seems very cheerful and happy and all that, and we just immediately assume, oh, they're they're a happy person. They must have a great life. They may have a terrible life going on. How many things have we seen here recently hit the news of people that seemingly no one, now there's some where there's some, but but sometimes where no one really knew, man, it didn't look like that these folks were having a difficult life. Man, they're, they're a famous chef. They're a famous this. They're a famous that. And all of a sudden they've taken their life. Robin Williams is always the one that stands out in my mind. He was such an entertainer and made people laugh and all this and then was struggling with the dark, stormy moments of life. But people saw the smile and the laughter and all of that. So we just make snap judgments. But God may put people across your path. Don't look the way you think it's going to look, but if you will simply allow Him to work in your heart, to speak into your life, to to say you may be able to then see a little bit behind the curtain. Because God does. God sees it all. And God may want to use you to impact someone. And more importantly, even at times, God may want to use someone to impact you. That you think, what do they have to offer me? It's not about what they have. It's about whatever God places within them for them to build off. For you. Yeah, on the natural, they may not seem to have anything that they could do. But God can give someone great insight into something that speaks to your life. And they may not even understand why it is. Just like these disciples, are you prepared to receive God moving in a situation in your life? Or instead... Will you allow your fear to prevent him from entering into your life and quite possibly doing something miraculous and immediate? These guys couldn't imagine Jesus walking across water. They'd never seen anything happen like that. But God's a creative God, He has the ability to do things in your life that you've never seen, you've never thought about, you've never imagined. He's just supplying an answer. He calls you out upon the water where our feet may fail, but his don't. Let's pray.